You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday, the best day of the week. It's probably not what you said to yourself when you woke up this morning, but now that you're listening to Locked On Seminoles, you might be thinking it. I'm your host, Max, and with me as always, I got Drake and I got Dave. The only difference is today, it's not one or the other. It's a full house, baby. Dave, Driz, how you guys doing? Doing good. It's a weird day. I watched a little bit of soccer, which, as everybody knows, is not my thing, and I don't like it. I am good, man. I just crushed a huge bowl to pull late. I also watched oh. the Euros today and betonline.ag. I might have to send them over some money that way because England <laughs> likes to sh- the bed. It's not coming home. F- you, you arrogant pricks. But no, Max. Diva Italia. No, nah, Max. I feel, I feel great. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. It's probably uh, maybe not the smartest thing to bet on England against Italy when the Americans aren't allowed to come in during the second half. But I'll tell you what, at least at least you <laughs> use betonline.ag. Always a great friend of the program, folks. For any gambling needs you have, make sure you check out betonline.ag. And if you're a first-timer here, welcome. If it's your 100th time, welcome back. I know the season is getting ready to start. We're only, I think, 56, 50, as you're listening to this, 55 days away from foot hitting leather against Notre Dame. This is Locked on Seminoles. Uh, We are fans first, people second, podcasters third. Uh, We'll give you some analysis, but we'll give you some, well, you'll, you'll get some content. So today we actually did put together a little welcome package for all of you. In the same way that if you go to betonline.ag, you'll get a welcome bonus if you use promo code locked on. We we put our actual content creator hats on and we thought, what do the people want to know 55 days before we play Notre Dame? Well, question one is probably, are we going to beat Notre Dame? And the big part of that question is going to be, who's the starting quarterback going to be? We had a little discussion amongst ourselves in our group chat today, and we had Dave pull some stats for us, which we'll get into in a moment. After that, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting because there was some eh, moderately, you know, newsworthy stuff that we just sort of want to talk about that happened this weekend with the 2023 quarterback. Uh, and then for the third segment, we're actually going to talk about the home run derby. Uh, Dave and Drake are going to talk about that as you're listening to this. That's going to happen tonight, and they will. They will give you all the goods on that while I mostly just moderate. So, guys, let's talk quarterbacks. We got two options. We got JT. We got McKenzie Milton. Now, I think it's well known that I'm team Jordan Travis. It's well known that David is team McKenzie Milton. Drake, you're kind of you're kind of a in may the best man win mode, I feel like. Like I feel like you you have your opinions, but you're not really like militantly in either corner right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mainly, um, I think that's going to be KZ at the end of the day. I think that he's infinitely better at the quarterback. I'm joking. (laughs) I think that (laughs) KZ actually is a much better passer of the two. And I'm, I'm in the camp that JT, I think needs to sit behind him. It's going to be a large benefit for him to sit for the entire year to learn how to get those intermediate and deep ball passing rush. Cause that's what McKenzie Milton is, was really good at when he was fully healthy at UCF. And to me, I think that's the best option going forward. So to me, I will go lean towards KZ, but I will you will definitely see, because it's no secret out there that Coach Dillingham 
love some some JD13. So you're gonna definitely see some, you know, maybe some red zone pass up packages with him in there, maybe at the quarterback slot, maybe as an extra tailback, or maybe even in the slot. So I'm to because he's he is the most dynamic person actually on your roster. Well, yeah, I think that that's a no one's going to contest that. There's no way you see a year of Florida State football without Jordan Travis on the field. His legs are too good to not put him on the field in certain scenarios. I mean, even the wildly inept Willie Taggart, Kendall Bryles combo was able to figure that one out. Now, Dave, what I had asked you, as you already know, but for our listeners, is we talked about McKenzie Milton and who he was before, the great stats he had, the Heisman contender. And I, I've made the point all along, He's coming back from a pretty gruesome knee injury. So we thought, let's find a comparison, right? And we decided, let's look at the drop-off for Frenchie, our good friend DeAndre Francois, from his season in 20, what was it, 2016, to his season in 2018 when he came back from the injury he suffered in 2017 against Alabama. Casey's injury was a little bit worse, but I think – I think it's a fair comparison because KZ was also further along in his career and less at risk for regressing at the actual quarterback position. Is that probably a fair, fair nod? Yeah, I think that's right. So Dave, what, what, what did you find during your, uh, during your research? What, what happened to Deandre's numbers and what would KZ's numbers look like with a similar drop-off? Sure. So it's really weird if you look at Frenchie's numbers, because in my memory, I remember him being a lot worse and it's, it, it's almost bizarre how similar his stats were. He, he had eight less completions, four less attempts. He had, he had 600 yet less passing yards. He threw five less touchdowns and five more picks. So I, the numbers got worse. For KZ. Wait, wait, walk, walk, me, walk me through that one more time with Frenchie. And give, give us like some big nuts because I don't remember like what his okay. stats were. I mean, five less. I don't know. Was it was it five yeah, less the out only of 700 or was it five less out of you know, 250? All right. So to, he had in, in 2016, he went 235 completions out of 400 attempts. 2018, 227 completions out of 396 attempts. Almost identical, actually. Passing yards was 3350 in 2016. 2731 in 2018. So we had like 600 more passing yards before he got hurt. That's a big number. And the touchdown interception numbers were 20 to 7 in 16 and 15 to 12 in 18. So there was definitely a drop off. There's no questioning that. So what I did was I took the percentage drop offs of each of those numbers and tacked them on to what Mackenzie Milton's averages would have been when he had his amazing numbers at UCF. And if he were to fall off to the same degree that DeAndre Francois did, here's what you would expect to see from Mackenzie Milton starting every game this year. You'd expect to see him go 239 completions out of 386 attempts, 61.8 completion percentage. You'd expect him to throw for 2,926 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 13 picks with a quarterback rating of 139.4, which would be comparable to Jameis's last year here would you say sorry how many picks you say 13 13 so still a pretty good year if you had that same drop off I'd say right yeah I mean that would be a solid year I think those are that that does make that a pretty interesting comparison Drake what's the well first thing I hone in on there is is Frenchie throwing for 600 less yards on four less attempts I mean and you know what is that eight less completions that's uh yeah you know, that's almost, was that like 80 yards per completion that we, that he lost out on? That's pretty, uh, 
So his yards per completion significantly dropped. Um, yeah. Which I find, I don't know. I find that kind of interesting, but I don't know. Yeah. How do you really apply it? Like, is that something with a knee? Like, did he lose deep ball power or is that just kind of, he also was playing in a different offense. So he was throwing well, not only more. that, if you remember Frenchie a lot, he, he tucked the ball a lot and not really only to, not really to run, but if you notice, he will go, let me five to the right and then just fall. I especially remember that Syracuse game where he gets the ball he looks back, tries to go out to the out to the out to his um, out to his left side, tucks the ball, and then falls. And then his lineman, I think it was it was either Dickerson or was I think it might have been Eberle, stuck their hand out, and he just turns, like not even not to even grab his hand. And the one of the things like like that was the one big thing of Francois was that he was re, refused to push the ball downfield. And also there was the sort of issue that he had where he would lock into one specific target, and that was Nyquil Murray when he had. Not really that many other options. Do like, you remember? Was it Pokey Wilson? Was the other option you really had? That's so, right. Yeah. So he really, they really was wasn't a there's just not that great early his last year. Yeah, I'll I'll add this, Max. To your credit, the one thing that's going to drop off for sure with Mackenzie Milton is his rushing abilities. People may not know this about him, but he was actually a pretty capable rusher. In his only game at UCF against a big big boy team against Auburn. He beat them with 116 rush yards and a touchdown on the ground. I mean, that's how he won that game. I don't think you're going to see that out of him. What I do think, if you look at the film that I don't think goes away, his ability across the middle of the field and deep is something we haven't had on this roster probably since Jameis. And also, I think with that team, also with UCF, he had another thing in his back pocket that wasn't specifically his side of the field. That defense was like top 15, led by one of the Griffins, also I think by Mike Hughes as well, that put them in. Very good specific spots, you know, to when they had when very good specific starting field position for the game. So if we don't have that for defense also, he's going to be asked to probably do a lot more too with that and already behind a kind of depleted offensive line. So like I like KZ a lot, but there's definitely this team is nowhere near as good as the team that he was with back in the day, back at UCF, like three years ago. Yeah, well, that same limitation. I think we've, that- I've, I, hang on, Dave. I think we've been able to sort of find a a basis of comparison for the injury, but I do think there's still a lot more to talk about on this. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to keep this rolling because I'd much rather talk about this than recruiting news that we can get to uh, later in the week. And folks, if you need to stop real quick and go make dinner and you're just kind of frustrated because you don't have a ton of time, make that process a little less frustrating by at least having decent tools in your kitchen, because like a head coach, you're only as good as the tools you have access to. And Made In Cookware, Made In, M-A-D-E-I-N, Cookware, make sure you have those tools. They got sharp knives. They got great pans. They've got pretty solid pots. Uh, They gave us all some free samples, and we really liked what we used. So if you all need some cookware, which if you're frustrated by making dinner, it could be because you do need some cookware, go to Made In, M-A-D-E-I-N, cookware.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for 15% off your first order. Dave, before we went to the break, you were making a point. Do you want to, do you want to kind of dive back in just kind of say where you were saying? So where I was going with that was whoever plays quarterback for FSU is going to be subject to the same limitations, which is our receiving core, which is our defense, which is our special team, whether those things are good or not. I don't think really has a bearing on who's better suited to be the quarterback. I I do think that's like, you could, you could make the argument that, Oh, well you may need more scrambling. So Jordan Travis could be adept at that. 
But that said, I think the receiving should be better this year. I think the offensive line was improved from last year, obviously from the year before, and I expect it to get even better this year. So I do want to see a concerted effort to have our quarterback sit in the pocket a little bit more and throw the ball downfield and be an exciting offense for the fans to watch. I mean, the one problem with that, I mean, we want to see that too. And I trust me, I'm right there with you. I mean, I've been in the Casey camp since literally he entered the transfer portal, but the fact of the matter is our offensive line is, I mean, they played mediocre to average last year, which is, you know, more than we can ask for. Alex Atkins. It's it's incredible, dude. Alex Atkins has done so much great work with that offensive line, but the one appeal with Jordan Travis, like this is where like I go back, you know, to Max's point where while he may not be great at throwing the ball or even being accurate or even having the instincts, he, at least he keeps it moving with his legs. So don't you have any little bit of concern with that? Because like his mobility, he's, he has some of it back, but like, it's not, you're never the same after a tear that bad to your leg. You almost, he almost lost his entire leg. just like Alex Smith. I'll say three things. One, I, I do have a concern with that, but he is a recent legitimate Heisman contender. I don't expect him to just be someone that's fallen apart. I do expect him to get back to that. And I think it's, I think it's exciting for the fans to have like somebody who's recently been a Heisman contender under center for us. Like don't discount how important that is to a starving fan base. I think that's an important thing for our fans to have something exciting to look forward to. And number two, I, this may be the worst point of the two, but I think it sends a message to like high profile transfers that come in and they're not coming in for no reason. They're coming in because I suspect there was a backroom conversation where Mike Morvell said, Hey, you have one year left, come win the job and you're good. And that he was expected to be the starting quarterback when that conversation happened. So I think this is where we differ because for me, when I, when I talk about Willie Taggart, I say this, and I I said this in our group chat today, I, I would, I'm totally fine being wrong. If it means the team wins, I, we're not Stephen A and, and Skip Bayless, so we won't scream at each other. But I, I that idea is absolutely antithetical to what being a college head coach is about to me. If you would start a quarterback you thought gave you a lesser chance of winning because of what it could do for the fan base's morale, the fan base's morale will get boosted when you start winning games. You go beat Miami with anyone at quarterback. Like you could literally, if you found a way to find a year for Tim Tebow to have some eligibility and you brought him back and we beat Clemson, Miami and Florida, I guarantee you the fan base would be on fire. So I don't think that you even consider that as a head coach. And I think that your point about the transfers though, actually I would say is probably a better one because I I think, look, if you're on the fence, if you're saying, Hey, I think both of these guys can give me a shot to win about equally, but for different reasons, then yeah, I do think you consider that one of them transferred in with with one year of eligibility and the other one has a year left. I also think you consider the fact that if Milton starts, there are still packages for Jordan Travis, whereas if Travis starts, I don't think there's packages for Milton. And I and again, we're talking about if, if it's 51-49 some days and then 51-49 the other way some days, I do think that's actually a decent point that you consider that one's got one year left and the other one does – uh has two or does he have three? Maybe um, I think it's two. He has a couple of years left on you. And to that point, it just kind of in my head, put another one in. Cause I had, I had a uh, lunch with some people yesterday and this question came up. How much do you guys think the kind of offense Norvell and Dillingham want to run will factor into their decision about QB one, because McKenzie Milton and Jordan Travis are very different quarterbacks. So 
I wonder if it's that 51-49 thing, maybe even like 55-45, frankly, could the 45 win the job if he's better suited to the offense those two have in mind? I mean, Max, I mean, to your point, to me personally, from the two, you kind of did notice throughout the year that while Mike Norvell and Dillingham wanted to run their specific offense, they cut down and trimmed a lot of the fat or the stuff that they wanted to do because of Jordan's limited ability with his arm. I'm not saying he's a bad thrower, but his instincts aren't that great. His ability, you know, in between the hashes with intermediate passes, it was susceptible. And he also, he made some boneheaded pick plays. I mean, sorry, plays that led to picks. Whereas Mackenzie Milton, he has that experience with that sort of spread, high up tempo, but also like, you know, limited kind of weird pro style like offense with Jeff Levy and also with Hypel, which is bringing over now to Tennessee. So I think that's a big factor in their thing. And also, we always like to point to the COVID situation. If Jordan Travis sits for this year because he's not used to this kind of offense, he can actually learn to practice with his playbook a lot better because, to me, Jordan Travis could be one for not only next year, but probably the year after as well. So, to me, that's the big benefit of actually having McKenzie Milton come in as well. Yeah, so I got to say, I don't know what Mike Norvell wants his offense to look like. And I say that because at Memphis, he had an offense that threw for a lot of yards. And then the very next year had an offense that ran for a lot of yards. He did what he needed to do out of necessity last year. So quite frankly, I don't know what his vision is for a Florida state offense. And there may not be an answer. It may be whatever the personnel dictates that year. Like if he has a great passer, I think he'll probably tailor the offense to that. I don't think he has like this set idea of I need the X type of quarterback and this receiver on the outside that's X high, you know? Well, I think that's a, that's an interesting thing that you just said, Dave, and it kind of made me very quickly reflect on catchphrases. I think catchphrases are a dime a dozen, and we should take them at face value. But it is interesting that, you know, Willie Taggart's catchphrase was lethal simplicity, and his elaboration was we're going to go fast, speed limit signs, things like that. It, this isn't a knock on Willie, by the way. It was a, So you knew what his vision was, whereas Norbell's is built for playmakers, which when you think about it says – He's going to look at the talent on the field, figure out who his playmakers are and make an offense that is built for those playmakers. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think that's an interesting point. I think you're right. It, so he may not have a vision in mind. And heck, him and Dillingham are prepared like a you know law student for the bar. They may just be writing two offenses and say, hey, let's go into camp with two offenses in a week and a half out. We're going to do game prep and just decide which of these offenses we're going to run. Now, Speaking we got to take good a look to everyone out there taking the bar within the next two weeks. Good luck, everybody. Oh, yeah. I know we have a younger demo. So, folks, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If you are a young kid graduating college or you're in law school, we're here for you at Locked On Seminoles. If y'all ever need want to talk about Florida State football, many of you know our DMs are always open. You ever need advice about LSAT, law school applications, bar stuff, being a lawyer? I'm dead serious. We got a lot of experience in that, too. So our DMs are open for that as well. And good luck to all y'all taking it. And if you are taking the bar, if you're studying, 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 remember, you got to take breaks. You got to stand up. You got to hydrate. And most importantly, you got to eat. Now, I can tell you, having never taken the bar, but having literally seven of the nine dudes in my group broach, my bro group chat have taken it and have all passed it. Eating healthy is also very important. In fact, most of them worked out more while they were studying for the bar than ever because it's so easy when you're sitting all day to just eat fast food. And look, I've been busy in my job. I get it. So just if you can replace one snack a day with a healthy snack, you'll get ahead. 
grab some built bars right now. If you're studying, you got a busy week at work coming up, got a busy month of literally anything, go to builtbar.com, get yourself the peanut butter brownie, the cherry barcia, whatever tickles your fancy, get a variety pack if you're feeling crazy. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I'm just here to tell you to get built bars. And when you do it, just like my DMs are always open for you to give you life advice and to talk football, I'm here for you with promo code LOCKED15 to get you 15% off your first order. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. So guys, I, I had a question come to mind. You know, prior to April 15th, we were sitting here on the pod wondering who the hell is going to catch the football. Like we we recognized a dearth at wide receiver. We weren't, we knew parchment was probably coming, but it wasn't sure. And then in the spring game, we saw a great performance from Josh Burrell, Malik McLean, in our opinion, I, I, I speak for everyone, I think had a breakout game. And now Andrew Parchment has signed his paperwork. He's on campus, ready to go. What does knowing that we have a better receiver room than we originally expected when Casey first got here, uh, make y'all think differently about this QB battle? Well, it, it makes me think that I want the better passer out there for this year to help develop those receivers as best as they can be. If you have the ball put where it needs to be, I think you're going to see the receiver. I mean, you're going to see them get better numbers, which is going to inspire their confidence, which is going to make them better receivers. You only have one year of KZ, and if he's the better guy at making the receivers better or play their best, that's the guy I want on the field. And he's gonna, and he's also gonna put the ball in a spot where it's not gonna be picked off by you know an approaching safety up the corner. And also, he's gonna put the ball in a spot that you're not only just gonna catch the ball, but you're gonna catch the ball and have a lot of yards after the catch as well, which is one of the big things that we need because Andrew Parchment is like Tamori and Terry in that regard. That, but he's a better route runner, and he's also blazing fast, and that's gonna be great to watch. And you saw Michael McLean across. I mean, was it on the seam route? Let him catch the ball in stride and just go straight for a touchdown, burning one of our DBs. And that's you'll get that with him. So, yeah, I will say it made me feel a little better about KZ seeing those guys at receiver for this reason. When I think about this battle, what it comes down to for me is that Jordan Travis, in my opinion, is one of the best runners from the backfield in the entire country, talking quarterbacks and running backs. I think there's maybe five guys at any position that from behind the line of scrimmage can run the ball better than Jordan Travis. So to me, there's got to be a massive massive delta between what his arm's doing and what KZ's can do to make you keep a guy like that on the bench. Now, there's two mitigating factors for me that shrink the size of said necessary delta. One being the fact that Jordan Travis isn't going to transfer this year, so you can still use him in packages. And his legs are not, you know, you're not putting his legs on the bench and, and it's not a goalie in hockey where you can't just bring him in. So you don't totally lose his legs if you start KZ. And two was seeing those receivers, because if you have three good receivers, you can throw it to, well, that's three guys that can make plays versus one guy with his legs. So you're there's, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's more playmaking ability on the field with the arm maybe than just one guy with his legs. Because originally I was thinking, yeah, great. KZ can throw the ball. That's fantastic. He's a 67% passer. But not with these receivers, not with who, who's going to be out there, a bunch of walk-ons, a bunch of guys with bricks for hands. So, yeah, now I actually do feel a little more confident that, you know, K, if, if I see KZ going out there, I'm not going to think, oh, my goodness, why why are we doing this? You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and to be to be clear, I don't think Jordan Travis shouldn't be on the field ever. I do think he should be in. Oh no, I'm not saying you do. I'm just I'm saying yeah. for me, it, yeah, it mitigates that it, argument a little bit. It, and one thing I really like the idea of with Casey as the starter is Jordan Travis's problem, big problem to me, is he's really injury prone because of the way he plays with such reckless abandon, which is a great thing and a curse. Keeping him in limited play lowers his risk of injury, which I think keeps him more active in practice. I think it keeps. I, I just think that that will make him into a better quarterback. Drake, like you said, having that time to sit behind Casey, but also minimizing his injury risk. It minimizes the injury risk, but also if you, you look at all of his injuries, they came back to back to back after he had recovered yeah. from the previous injury. So if we do it this way with a full year, you know, out of, you know, actual competitive play, it can fully be healthy. And we might actually get a next year, a not as injury prone or someone like a play through smaller injuries for Travis. And also you can see by, by social media, the two really like each other, which is something that we haven't really seen with quarterbacks, you know, with, yeah. De- I, I can't, I don't know. I can't speak for DeAndre Francois and James Blackman, their relationship, you know, in the locker room, but you can tell when DeAndre got hurt and James Blackman, you know, came in there, he, they really weren't super chatty on the sidelines. I mean, you, you don't see, have you know, to Frenchie's actions kind of spoke for himself. I mean, hey, listen, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not putting words in the kid's mouth, but you know, I hey, know. Listen, I know, I'm, I'm just, just saying, look, I'm saying check the tape. You know what I mean? On check that the tape. Check was, the tape. Uh, oh, well, it was great in high school. You want to check tape? Check tape. Check tape. But no, you see like at the spring game, you know, they're chatting up. You right. see at the quarterback camp, they're talking. You see like in the buckets are hanging out. Even Also, you see at the Miller's Ale House during the Dream Field opening for the NIL stuff, like Jordan Travis is there supporting him. And that's something we haven't had in the locker room in a very, very long time. So I'm like, I am extremely excited at the position right now that we are in when it comes to quarterbacks. And but, I, I, we, I don't think people can, we haven't been able to say that for a very long time. That's a great point. And I think their relationship is important. And I think Norvell, I mean, the spring game you mentioned on the sidelines, but also they came out for their interview together. So I think there is less of a, less of a pressure on Norvell of, well, do I need to start JT? Because I do want him next year. So if I don't start him this year, is he going to, you know, transfer because he he's jaded about the whole process. I do think him liking KZ creates less of a risk for that. I will say, though, I think two things that are kind of my final points on the QB race, and then we can talk some home run derby after y'all make your final points. I think, sorry, I think the injury prone thing is, I I don't know if that can ever go away with Jordan Travis. I think he's just that kind of competitor, and I think he's always going to kind of be that guy that plays hard between the whistles. I also wonder if him coming in limited, if that really makes a difference or if he'll kind of feel even more of a need to prove himself or, or even come in in situations where he really needs that first down more than if it was, you know, just play after play. And that'll cause him to still kind of play like that lunatic that we know he is. And then two, the narrative of the intermediate throws and him not being that accurate with that. I'm always going to contest that. Not because I want to argue with y'all. I just want to raise the alternative perspective. If you watch his tape of, I don't know if last year anyone could have been accurate at intermediate throws with the inability if any quarterback would have had, including Jordan Travis, to get their feet set running for their life behind that offensive line. So I think he's a, his throwing is a bit of a function of his protection, but that's just kind of the perspective I like to give on that. Drake, Dave, fight amongst yourselves for next one, but let's kind of hear your final thoughts on this QB race as we sit here on July 12th. All right, so I will agree to disagree with you respectfully on the intermediate throw situation. Nah, f*** you, dude. 
<laughs> Google water, asshole. <laughs> yeah, so uh, like Drake said, agree to disagree. Uh, Jordan Travis isn't the best middle of the field thrower. Mackenzie Milton, based on his tape, has been throughout his career. So let me tell you this. One of two things is going to happen, and this is how I'm going to end my comments on this. Either Mackenzie Milton is going to win the Heisman or Tate Rodemaker is going to start every game. It's one of the two, and there's no in-between, and that's it. That's a very Dave-like perspective. We appreciate you not going to extremes, David. That's why we keep you around. Trez, what do you got to say for the people before we send them off on their Monday morning with some home run derby talk? So I'm not going to retract my previous. I'm joking, Max. I love you. know I love you. But uh, <laughs> I'm not cutting that out either. The one thing with Jordan Travis, when you did see the intermediate throws, like, yeah, you're right. Not a lot of quarterbacks could be very successful behind this offensive line. Even though it was vastly improved from years past, it was still a medi- uh, average to below average mediocre offensive line at times. However, when he did have some time to get his feet set, my issue was sometimes if his first read wasn't there, he wouldn't go to a second read and he would tuck it and run because while he is a gamer, he suffers from that. Su- uh, not suffers from it. He, he tries to put way too much on himself at one time to do everything himself. And the intermediate thing too if he didn't do that throw when he had time, it was always in a spot where maybe the guy can catch it, but it'd be a difficult catch and it would be probably for no more gain than maybe like five or six yards. Now, to me, that's something that's all the stuff right now that I'm saying is teachable. It's correctable. And he has the talent, I think, to be a dominant quarterback in the league. Like I think Lamar Jackson was a very, very solid comp and While he doesn't have the same arm strength as Lamar Jackson, I think he has that ceiling. But I just want him to see just just patience with the kid because he can be very, very special. And to me, that could be your Heisman front runner for 2022. No, I'm with you. I love that because I'd love to see Jordan Travis win that thing. But being the host, I guess I kind of get to, you know, pull a couple strings here. Uh, I I think both your thoughts are very, very accurate. And I think that it was a little puzzling with JT almost. I don't know if you agree with this, Drake. There were so many times where he would do that, lock on to read one and then just take off. But then he would sometimes when he'd decide, no, no, I'm going to throw this one and extend the play with his legs. He would do that. He'd throw it to someone that was like, honestly, closer to the line of scrimmage than he would have gotten if he'd just taken off. So I think you're right. There is a maturity there in a, a game IQ, a football IQ sense where it's like you have this incredible talent with your legs and he needs to learn how to use it a, a little yeah. better. And with that, I'm going to kind of sit back and let y'all educate the baseball fans. What do y'all expect to see from the Derby tonight? Who do you think is going to take it home? And who do you hope fails miserably on the national stage? (laughs) Well, Dave, we'll try to keep this, you know, maybe three to four minutes because this is the home run derby. And, you know, this is me. We're trying not to nerd out too much with baseball. But for those of you that don't know, the home run derby is tonight. I don't know what channel it's on. Pretty sure it's on ESPN. And now, as you know, they do it bracket style. So one seed versus eight, three versus six, like Matt's Max's is that, boy. Is that real? They just, they do a, they do a bracket. They, of home they, they do a bracket. Yep. Actually, they do a so bracket So it's not just style. who hits the most. Okay. No, they, they used that. to be that way, which was so much better, but I'm not, yeah, well, that's a discussion for a different day. Max's yeah. boy actually is the eighth seeded guy. He's Juan Soto is against Shohei Otani, who has probably been the, the equivalent of Babe Ruth going on. But Dave, yeah. I kind of want you to know who was your pick actually to win this entire thing. All right. So I hate my pick. I, I, I wish it wasn't my pick. It pains me that it's my pick. Then don't say uh, it. It's Pete Alonso's going to win. I, I mean, 
I think he's best built to win a home home run derby. He's just a big old dude. He's a pot belly. Already won it. So yeah. here's the thing with home run derby winners. There hasn't been a re- repeat home run derby winner that I think is Ken Griffey Jr. in the early My aughts. favorite. And it's really difficult to repeat, especially in this format, because you no longer have the 10-out rule. You're timed. And the one thing I beat Alonzo two years ago when he actually played, it really wasn't that, that stacked of a field. And with Pete Alonzo, he's going to give Salvador Perez. And then the next round, he actually would go up against either Shohei Otani. And someone that I think is a huge leader pick is Max's boy, Juan Soto, because Juan Soto, to me, is probably the third most electric player in baseball behind a, a Fernando Tatis Jr. And maybe, honestly, I would say Mike Trout, but electric, you go with Bryce Harper. But my pick, personally, is a guy that I actually watch batting practice every single day for three years in Baltimore. And that's Trey Boom Boom Mancini. And Trey Mancini, actually, if you guys, for those who don't know, he had, a, I want to say it was colon cancer two years ago, was out for the year, came back this year, and has had an all-star route with that. He hits bombs. He actually hits the crap out of the ball. And he has the easiest path to get actually to the finals. He has to go against Matt Olson, who is a very average, average first baseman. And now the Trevor Story or Joey Gallo, who do nothing but hit gappers and doubles. So to me, Trey Mancini is the go-to pick for that. Head on over to bedlinetheline.ag. Trust me, those odds are phenomenal right now. And that, to me, is the thing. And I want to say Juan Soto will be the one in the final as well because Shohei Otani is not winning the first round because, fun fact, he does not take batting practice. Well, and Shohei Otani just has – I mean, first of all, this is one of the best years of baseball any player's had in as long as I can remember. What he's doing both on the mound and at the plate, it's ridiculous. But he's got such like a just a fundamentally sound baseball swing I don't expect somebody like that to go on and tear off a bunch of uppercut home runs in the home run derby. I just don't think that's his game, even though he's leading baseball in home runs. Exactly. And that's the one big thing, Max, if you ever don't know, if you're watching like a home run derby, typically it's not your people with a beautiful swing that win these things. It's people that just hack and slash and just literally, that's why Giancarlo DeSantis and hit, I want to say 68 home runs when he won the home run derby back in 2014, 2015. So with that being said, I got Trey Mancini. Dave, you have that scumbag yeah. Pete Alonzo. I'm not even gonna go into that because trust me, my you think Bryce, you know, Max hates Bryson. My hate for this man is magnified that by 10. So Max, take us out. And I have just ordered Taco Bell on Uber Eats because I forgot to go grocery shopping today and I need a new Ooh, what, what'd you, what'd, bars. What, what'd you oh, get? I get the same get? thing every time. I get what I get is I get the steak quesadilla meal. It comes with a soft taco. I get spicy ranch on that. And then I get two more soft tacos with spicy ranch on them. And I get a Dr. Pepper to wash it all down with. So I think we had a really great combo today on the starting quarterback. Folks, right now, gentlemen, I'm holding my copy of Phil Steele's encyclopedia for this season. So it's real. College football season is almost upon us. This Wednesday, we're going to be sitting down with a couple guys from the Big Red Louie. They were going to talk Louisville to start our preseason, uh, our preseason preview, however we're going to title it. We'll think of something clever. Y'all know we always think of something clever, and we'll be bringing those to you week after week. I can't wait for football. I can't wait to see who wins this quarterback battle, and I can't wait for it not to be Monday anymore. So for Locked On Seminoles, I'm your host, Max, and with me as always, I had Drake and I had Dave. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Get well soon, Acuna. Who knows?